This is Passion for Your Passions, a podcast where we can express who we are, describe what plagues our minds, and feel our feelings. I'm Julie. And I'm Krista. And today, we're all about the drama. We're all about the theater. The theater! comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. And the zydrate gun goes somewhere against your anatomy. And when the gun goes off, it sparks and you're ready for surgery. surgery. Okay, so <laughs> my friend sent me this thing and I've been needing to share it with everybody. I don't know how many people in the world have seen this, but... For anybody out there who wants to just read something really funny, there is this thing. So Anne Rand, she made Atlas Shrug, right? So <laughs> there's this guy, I guess, who he goes around and he takes books and then combines it with her style of stuff. And so, like, the big thing about it, like, her thing is kind of like capitalism, but it's like capitalism in this way that just really it cracks me up, like, a lot. So this guy who he, he does the same where he combines stuff with Anne Rand, he made uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Objectivism. And there's a few parts in this that are just, they're just <laughs> so key. So I'm not going to do all of it because, you know, people should just l go read this. It's so funny. But okay, so like, here's one. So the first part is just like Harry meeting Hagrid, right? So it's like, you're a wizard, Harry, Hagrid said, and you're coming to Hogwarts. What's Hogwarts? Harry asked. It's a wizard school. It's not a public school, is it? No, it's privately run. Good. Then I accept. Children are not the property of the state. Everyone who wishes to do so has the right to offer educational goods or services at a fair market rate. Let us leave at once. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um... And, um, oh gosh, it's just like all this stuff where, uh, it's so funny, like just the... Even, like, the writing style of it just really cracks me up. So, like, the other, okay, so this other part of it. Harry and Ron stood before the mirror of Erised. My God, Ron said. Harry, it's your dead parents. Harry's eyes flicked mo momentarily over to the mirror. So it is. This information is neither useful nor productive. Let us leave at once to assist Hagrid in his noble enterprise of raising as many dragon eggs as he sees fit in spite of our country's unjust dragon trading restrictions. But it's your parents, Harry, Ron said. Ron never really got it. <laughs> Harry sighed. The fundamental standard for all relationships is the traitor principle, Ron. I don't understand, Ron said. Of course you don't, said Harry affectionately. This principle holds that we should interact with people on the basis of the values we can trade with them. Values of all sorts, including common interests in arts, sports, music, or other similar philosophical outlooks, political beliefs, and sense of life and more. Dead people have no value according to the traitor principle. But they gave birth to you. I made myself wrong, Harry said firmly. <laughs> and it's great. just so much of this. There's like so many things in here where it's like the way that like it's written. I'm just like, I just, I want this to be 
a whole book. And <laughs> Harry just randomly explaining to people the value of capitalism the and trade principle with yeah, value of relationship. And so much of it is like in this way where it's like people don't talk like this. <laughs> okay, whatever. Like you can have this thought and feeling, I mean, whatever. It's not really a thought or feeling I have, but like <laughs> just like blunt and like it's beautiful my my thing is is that if people want to read this i highly recommend it it's um it's like on the toast and it's Anne rand's harry potter and the sorcerer's stone go check it out nice i dig it <laughs> <laughs> all right so cool so you know we kind of got i guess i got a little bit theatrical there Mm-hmm. A little bit, you know, <laughs> pretending to be Harry and Hagrid and Ron, and I, I mean, I didn't change. Of course, my voice. you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've made a lot of references to theater and how we were part of theater, or we even had stories about my horrific accident and the director that hated me. So we thought it was time to finally actually sit and talk about theater. Yeah, and it's a good time because it's fall, and fall always makes me feel kind of schooly. And so I, you know, I think about that kind of stuff. That's a word, I'm sure. Well, it's like, it get, I don't know what it is. It's like once the leaves fall, I'm like, oh my gosh, school. Even though I haven't gone to school in like 10 years. <laughs> Dating us again. A very long time. <laughs> yes. I mean, I could go back to school if I wanted to, but yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. And I still, like, I still get this, like, I could buy notebooks and, like, organize my life and, like... I could, like, be that person. And I'm like, you, you weren't even that person when you were in school. Like, what are you <laughs> What do? are you trying to tell yourself right now? <laughs> yeah. But so. I wanted to highlight that Chris and I, I wouldn't say we're part of the theater scene anymore. We really haven't been since we were in school, minus seeing plays here and there and enjoying movies. So I guess kind of take what we're saying with a bit of ignorance or... I would say we're kind of, like medium enthusiasts um i definitely know people who are way more enthusiastic than me and i know people who are way less i like it i wouldn't say that i'm the kind of person where i like every play or every musical or um even some of the big popular ones that people like i wouldn't say i feel very strongly about chicago <laughs> you don't i like chicago but i thought you didn't like it no 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 i it's um I, I mean, I guess it's not, like, my favorite, but I know you don't like it. It's fun. <laughs> Again, <laughs> differences. I, I wouldn't say I like, like, all the famous ones. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess I went to go see Wicked, and I thought that that was fine. It wasn't, like, I know ever, there was, like, a bunch of people who were like, whoa, that's, like, the shit. And I was like, that's I felt, okay. <laughs> I felt fine about it. And I think, like, honestly, part of the thing is, so, like, one of the things that, I mean, if this is weird about anything is... If you watch it, like, when it's not in time, it doesn't feel the same. So, the one that I always use as an example for this is The Office. Like, I don't feel like I enjoy The Office as much because it's 2020s now. What, The Office came back early 2000s? There's a lot of things that honestly just don't land to me. I like Dwight, but, like, some of the other stuff, I just, I think I missed out. (laughs) Same, I think, is kind of true of Wicked. I think Wicked had a time and a place, but honestly, when I go watch Wicked now, I just, like, the music's okay. There's a couple songs in it I do really like, but other than that, 
it doesn't really do that much for me. <laughs> and that's also one I feel like the original cast was the only cast that did it right. Anytime yeah. I see it without the originals or hear it, it's kind of, it does not land. You're just sitting there like, yeah. you do not have the impact that those singers did. And I just can't appreciate any version of this that isn't the number one iconic version. I think a lot of people feel that way about Hamilton. But anyway, we should, going back to the topic, I, I do kind of want, like, before we get into just, like, our feelings about certain musicals and things, just kind of talk about, like, our background a little bit. And I'll kind of start with mine, because Julie kind of mentioned she wasn't as into it as I was, although she did a couple things here and there. I I kind of mainly did it more because it was like from age 10 to 18, I had a few friends who were very into it. Like that was their life and everything. And I needed a hobby. And, you know, I mean, theater is really big on just getting people to do it. Because I mean, to be honest, you can't really do a musical unless you have, I would say about 30 people. Like if you have under 30 people, it's gonna be pretty hard for you to do a musical. And especially the lower that number gets, the harder that it is. Um, so yeah, you would get a lot of people just being like, yeah, we're recruiting you, whether you like it or not, we're dragging you tooth and nail into yeah. this play. It's a very extroverted <laughs> hobby. Microphone sure. in your hand. <laughs> Clothes off, new ones on, on stage now. <laughs> yeah, and actually, even the thing that was very funny about this, even I think my mom talks about this a few times, it was very weird that I did that, because like Julie said, pretty extroverted of a hobby. I don't know how much this comes across in the podcast. I'm pretty introverted. <laughs> pretty bad. She mentioned to me recently that she was like, I never really understood why Chris did theater, <laughs> but... And it was weird. Even when I would do it, I had kind of this, like, imposter syndrome about it. Like, I liked it. I do enjoy being kind of in the spotlight and, you know, you tell a joke and people laugh and, you know, it's fun. But at the same time, like, I didn't really like some of the other stuff that people like about theater, which is, like, the drama, the, like, intense fame, you know, that kind of stuff. There were a few people when, even when we were in theater, who were like that. Like, they were like, yeah, I, I want I want, <laughs> I want the whole attention, the whole fame type of thing. Well, what's even funnier about this is I only did theater because you did theater. So <laughs> it's yeah. like this chain effect of there's only one person who ever wants to do theater and everyone else is just like a prey of, is preyed upon by them. And it's the funniest thing. And theater people, true theater people, which I wouldn't call us true theater people by nature, make you uncomfortable. They are not, they are extroverts unapologetically and they're weird. So it's just this weird place for them because most weird people tend to be introverted and that's why they're weird. So these people, they decide to be weird and extroverted and you don't know how to handle them and they don't know how to handle themselves. So then they pretend to be different people all the time. Yeah. They're also very weirdly horny. Horny. They like drinking usually or they're yeah. touchy feely. That was the really funny thing, which I think Luke even brought it up when we told our story. The three of us were the three people who did not want to be touched. <laughs> like we, People would come up to us and we were like, what are you doing? Like, don't touch me. I'm not one of you. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. one of those things that kind of cracked me up that everybody else, they'd be in a group hug on a mattress or something at a party. 
And we'd be off, like, outside, away from them. Yeah. <laughs> or they would have cast parties, and I would be with the parents. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with those weirdos. <laughs> I'm going to be over here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and there was there were so many things about that at our school. I mean, some of the, I think it was... I think it was a little bit better in our grade and some of the grades around us. But some of the stories about the grades, like, above us, like, it'd be like, oh, yeah, like, there was totally this stuff that we had hidden away. We would have, like, like, people would go up there and have sex. And, like, it was like, I mean, there was no rules, were there? I mean, yeah. well, okay. And then also our um one theater director did also get, like, arrested fired i'm not sure for smoking weed or something so like look shit goes down <laughs> in theater like i don't know if everybody knows this or not but it's definitely true i mean like i said i don't think as much went down for our grade particularly i'm I'm trying to think if there even was any drama and i don't i don't particularly remember anything yeah i think it was literally the senior class our eighth grade year mm -hmm. was the last of the bad batch for those yeah. kinds of things. And then when we came in, it was like our seniors were the responsible ones. I definitely remember the seniors we had were the responsible people. <laughs> and then after that, I kind of piecemealed. Where there were a few people yeah. that you could tell wanted it to be a particular way, but the rest of us weren't about it. And they, you know, couldn't do it themselves, more or less. I think we had a couple drunks. And by drunks, I mean to a teenage standard where they've had alcohol and they'll bring it and get in trouble for it. Not, yeah. you know, belligerent all the time. Well, we also, too, had a couple, like, fame monger people. Like, people who were just super, like, they wanted things a very particular way. And they were, like, the bad kind of attention-seeking. Yeah. Like, being like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I want my outfit to be a particular way. Like, make it be this particular way. Or, like yeah, I'm going to do this like this and I'm not going to accept it any other way, you know. The bad, the bad fame mongers. Oh, that was fun when I was a student director. <laughs> I know, I got, I got put into like a couple situations that were just very, <laughs> very bad for me because I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff. And so it was just one of these things where it's like, you're in this group with these people because that's, you know, whatever the role that you're in or whatever it was. And it was just like, uh, I hate my life. <laughs> I hate you. And I hate everything. Don't make me do this. Yeah. So as you can tell, our backgrounds more when we were teenagers, I would say, than anything. So it's on a very small scale. We never did the community theater or anything like that. It was purely, we're in school. Someone made us do this. <laughs> and then we stuck with it. <laughs> I say I wasn't in the plays after middle school. I did the pit orchestra, so I did the music, and I did, like, behind-the-stage stuff. Krista was the one who was always on stage. Yeah, I did, um, I did do, I did a lot. Like, I performed, like I said, at 10 to 18. I probably, from that time, when I was younger, I probably did, like, one musical a year, but then further on, it started being more, and then I did eventually start doing plays pretty frequently towards the end of it. I don't know if there's really, like, anything super noteworthy that we did. I mean, like, we did, like, The King and I. We did Beauty and the Beast. Um, we talked about how we did Willy Wonka, and that was awful. Uh, we also did Susical, which was uh, awful. Yeah. <laughs> that was another one that was just a lot. It was fine, but it was just a lot. And I made a freshman cry, but it's fine. You did? Yeah. Well, For I mean, what I did reason? both... The Willy Wonka one and that year. 
we did like set design and we explicitly said, hey, we have a real wood stage with this big fancy red curtain that nobody else has. Don't fuck it up. And some freshman spilled a can of paint and then didn't say anything. And I just found it. And I could figure out who it was for a mile away because she was terrified of me. And I reamed her in front of her mother and created her cry. I was like, hey, how about you not be totally incompetent and not tell me about it and ruin the stage? Clean it up. You're not helping anymore. Like, I just <laughs> ripped her apart. And I think she probably quit theater. <laughs> I I don't even know who you're talking about. It could be possible. Exactly. <laughs> she became nobody because of me. <laughs> I mean, we there were a few people who did stuff and then just kind of never came back, which, I mean, whatever. It's fine. I don't... Theater is for some people, and it's not for other people. It is a commitment. You have to, like, actually work at it. And I think, like, this is honestly a thing that some people don't even really understand. I mean, people probably understand this, but, like, it was a lot of work, which I think I kind of mentioned when we were talking about Willy Wonka, that part of the reason why I ended up hating Willy Wonka so much is because the way that we did it at our school was you practice it was they basically gave us a set amount of time to practice it was pretty much always the same i can't remember if it was like two months or three months but willy wonka is a very short musical so what that meant is that we were just practicing it incessantly so by the time it got to the end i was like Dear God, please, <laughs> I cannot do this anymore. It's too short. I know it too well. I'm like, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. And I think that was definitely, well, I mean, Seussical didn't help, but that was like, I think the musical that broke me. And I was like, man, I could do plays. I like plays actually. So it's kind of weird. I like performing plays. I'm not like as big as seeing plays, but I like plays, especially comedy plays, better because it's not as intense as musicals are. Like, musicals are just, they're so intense. Everything has to be completely right. Yeah. Because if you're not right, then nothing's right and everything's a mess. In plays, if you do a goof, it gives the opportunity to create a unique moment that could be better. Like, it, it's, mistakes are more of an opportunity in plays, while mistakes in musicals will burn, like, will make it ruin the entire thing and so but no matter what mistakes happen like you can't like one i think it was willy wonka because i was backstage the fucking red curtain caught on one of the sets when it was trying to close and started ripping on the opposite side of the theater i was on and i was the only one who saw it and i literally had to run and knock someone the fuck out to like jump and like okay. loose the, the curtain like does anyone else know that happened? No, just me. Just me. And I yeah. had to also try to be quiet like, while I'm trying to like, oh god, oh god, oh god, I'm trying to fix yeah. the curtain. Yeah. But like, if that ripped, what would we have done? Like, there's, Ugh. oh, we don't have a curtain for one half of the goddamn stage. Like, it's just... Yeah, no. I, I think one of the funny ones that I remember happening was uh, King and I, which I don't remember if you were involved in King and I or not. I was a wife. Oh, okay. What's up? I got pushed <laughs> down the stage. I know, I was... I was a small child, which was <laughs> odd. I was a small child, but an adult. But anyway, because I was like the narrator, but then I was also a small child. It was... Well, remember mom made her made your outfit. <laughs> I know. I, there's still some pictures I see of me in that, and I'm like... Yeah, I have a picture with you and my mom, like, because she wanted a picture with, like, the outfit. And she tried to make me one, and I literally grew out of it by the time the play happened. <laughs> but, but anyway, what I was going to say is, like, so the person who was, um... I think her name is Anna... 
Yeah, yeah, Anna, the, the main girl. So she wore, like, a lot of hoop skirts, because that's kind of what Anna does. There's, like, a bunch of scenes in there where, like, she does dancing and things, and, like, it's more dramatic, basically, if you have the actual hoop skirts. Doesn't look as impressive if you don't. However, she was wearing the hoop skirts, sat down in a chair, because I think during her scene she was, like, reading a book or letter or whatever the heck it was. So it was, like, her, she had to sit in this chair, and then it, like, transitioned to a new scene. Sat in the chair in a hoop skirt could not get out of the chair. They had to literally, like, I think they had to, like, go pick up the chair with her in it and take her off stage, like, during a blackout to get her out of it. That's beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah, these things happen. It's, despite your best planning, things do go bad. <laughs> the professional, everything, something goes wrong. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but, I don't know. I think for me, I just like doing plays more because they were just honestly less intense and I did enjoy doing comedies more than I did enjoy musicals because like I mean musicals there's all kinds of musicals but like especially the ones that we did they were the more generic type of musical like it's like you know going into a thing whatever ends up happy like it's just that kind of a flow it wasn't really anything complicated it wasn't like a complex story I mean, maybe the one I liked doing the most was Beauty and the Beast, but, like, even that's not really... That was all the costumes. Like, the costumes were the difficult and interesting part about that. And also, I feel like that was the last year we had decent people. <laughs> like, after that was all the, like, Class B. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I think that the people that we had after that weren't so bad. I think it was just the choices of the musicals. We could have picked... More interesting things. Well, we just, like, Susical was after that, I think. And we just, that wasn't our kind of musical. We didn't have weird people. Like, you and I were the only weird people, and we didn't give a shit about the Susical musical. Like, we're like, why are we doing this? Yeah. But I think part of it, I also think you liked plays more because that director was a lot better to work with. Oh, yes, that's true. Oh, man, I still see him sometimes, and I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) You were the man. (laughs) He he was great. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a really good teacher, actually, Mm -hmm. even. He just was a good guy, but yeah. yeah. So I think that might also stem some of your upset. (laughs) Because I was in plays with you in middle school. Like, we did that pirate one. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that specifically because I actually had a role in that. I'm like, what? Yeah. I just do this with Chris. I didn't think you'd give me anything. <laughs> and I had a whole role. I was so confused by it. Well, no, because you had your one role. Should we talk about your one role? My power role that everyone has remembered me for and loved me. The thing that you were perfectly cast as. Because I'm weird. And perfectly dressed as. Yes. And just, yeah, that has been Julie's whole thing. She peaked and then she never wanted <laughs> to never came back. I, okay. Let's let's delve into my history. What was Music Man? That was the our first audition for a musical was Music Man. Okay, which by the way, I have to put this out here. No we fifth graders should do <laughs> elementary school. Why would we do this or understand it? <laughs> the Music Man is the wackest shit. I still want to go see it again sometime. I keep like talking to my husband about it. It's the wackest shit. I love the movie because I love Matthew Broderick, but it's just... Legitimately, the plot is a con man goes to a place and he cons them with music. 
That is the plot of the music. It is I, the wackest shit. <laughs> I think we would have had a lot better time if we did Susicle in fifth grade and Music Man our junior year. Just saying. But so, okay, rewind. First audition ever for us is in fifth grade for Music Man. I auditioned because I did. Like, I someone probably... I don't, Krista and I weren't really friends then. So like, Yeah, I don't remember us being friends. I don't then. remember why I auditioned. It's probably just because it was the thing. Probably. So I auditioned, but I personally wasn't happy with how I auditioned. So I decided I just wasn't going to be a part of the musical because I just didn't think I did well enough in my audition. I cut myself from it. And apparently I got a role <laughs> that I was supposed to, like, do. Like, it had lines and everything. And so halfway through them rehearsing, one of the students from our grade came up to me like, are you going to come for this? And I went, oh, no. I didn't even assume I got a part. They went, yeah, you have a part with all these lines. And they said, I could have it if you don't show up. I'm like, yeah, take it. <laughs> so then go to sixth grade. And I, it was Cinderella was the musical. And I actually know that one. So then when I auditioned, I auditioned for an evil stepsister because I knew exactly how that should be portrayed. And I did well. I did an audition well enough that I went, I deserve a part. I can be in this musical, okay? And the teacher even came to me like, hey, so you like totally didn't show up for the last one before we give you a role? Are you planning to show up for this one? I'm like, yeah, I actually did well in the audition, so, you know, I'll show up. And they cast me for the fairy godmother, <laughs> which was the strangest role in this musical because, so uh, for anyone who doesn't understand how musicals work, if you're not a main character... You probably have, like, five roles you're supposed to portray. You're a background character, so you'll be, like, a piece of silverware in one scene and then a servant in another and da 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 And I was in every scene that let those people get ready because everyone else is in that scene. So what would happen is all these scenes with literally everyone in the cast, I wasn't in. So I would just be in the back by myself anytime I wasn't on the stage. And I would just, like, organize the chairs and clean up because I'm an anxious person. So that was really funny. But no one has let me forget this role because apparently I was the star of the show and, like, everyone's favorite part. And it's the most ridiculous fucking thing. And I didn't do a musical sense. I was like, and we're out. Like, this was it. This is all I got in me. You cast me as the weird one. It happens every once in a while, though. Like, you get cast in this way, and that's, like, the thing. Like, I know everybody was was pretty um, obsessed when I was, like, Babette for a while. Like, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, yeah, you did a really good job with that. And even though the thing was, it's like, I basically copied somebody for that. I, I mean, I didn't ever tell anybody that, but I did. Like, we yeah. had gone to go see something at one point somewhat recently. I just copied what she did, and apparently everybody was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess technically I sort of cheated, but... All of my stuff that everyone loved was an accident, so I don't even... <laughs> like, the one thing that I still remember to this day... So, of course, they make me look like the weirdest character in the entire thing, because that's kind of the point. I'm magical. Whatever. There, I... So for, like, Cinderella, she has a solo where she's singing about how lonely and depressed she is. And I hide behind the set, and I come out, like, with smoke and go, I am the answer to everything, pretty much. And how they set it up, they put a bunch of shit, like, right where I had to come out. And this woman, director, made me wear rubber shoes that were three times bigger than my feet that I would sweat in and have trouble walking in, <laughs> covered in fabric. So I was very concerned about tripping and falling from the stage because it was lifted. And they had all this shit, like, around me. And when I thought they were fully distracted with Cinderella, like, she's on the opposite side from me, I took my foot and just started moving stuff. 
And the director literally stopped and went, I love that, and screamed. And I just like hid because I didn't, I thought she was talking about Cinderella. And she went, Julie, 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 like, do that again. I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she loved the shoes. She loved that you could just see this little glimmer of silver, like from the corner, from me moving shit out of my way from behind a box. <laughs> she loved it. I had to do it in the next scene. And like, that just kept happening where I would just do stuff like that to help myself because I was having a lot of trouble in this goddamn outfit. And then she would just like, this is amazing. I'm like, what? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> and then what was it? I had to, for the sequence so they could bring out the stupid care, the like pumpkin and horses and stuff, they put fog everywhere and I was supposed to spin and do this big dance move, which I to this day don't fully understand. And the first time we like did this, my friend sat in the front row and had disposable cameras and were literally trying to blind me with the flash. And so I got dizzy. <laughs> and then I like ended up hitting one of them with like my wand or something. And they said, you gotta do that for everyone. I'm like, it was a goddamn accident. <laughs> Why do you keep doing this to me? I'm not skilled or creative. You're just naturally creative. I, I'm just naturally the fairy godmother. And I decided to be really snarky. So anytime Cinderella complained, I was just like, <laughs> like, just like would roll my eyes and they loved every bit of it. So it was my golden roll and I decided to retire <laughs> right yeah. after that. And then I think after that, or well, maybe it wasn't after that. I think, well, oh wait, we had the king and I don't remember what we had after that. And then we had Christmas Carol which you decided not to participate in, and then you gave me your role. And so we talked about this before, and like how, you know, now I every time I watch A Christmas Carol, whenever, in any part, because I, I'm the boy, I was the boy who after <laughs> Scrooge comes back from his journey and he, like, opens up the window and he's like, what day is it? And then the boy is like, it's Christmas, sir. Yeah, I let you and have that. Yeah. I created your career. That, you that's it. That's the part that I always remember. I mean, to be fair, I had the thing in The King and I, which was before that. That was a bigger part. It just was, I just always remember being the boy. And mm -hmm. I also remember, because like you said, a lot of times when you're in like the ensemble, they call it, you end up playing a bunch of different roles. So I was also somebody in one of the party scenes or something. And for some reason, they put me in a dress that looked exactly the same as from, so, like, the Cinderella Disney movie where she's wearing, like, the pink dress with the bow and stuff. It looked exactly like that. So it was just always funny to me when I was in that scene. I was wearing this dress, and I'm like, I'm in the Cinderella dress. Cinderella, Cinderella. Okay. So enough, I guess, about, you know, our past. We could probably talk about this for way too long. We probably already right. have. <laughs> but I just looked at my oh. <laughs> but what we should talk about is other performances so things that we haven't been in things that we've gone to see you know what do we like about actually watching a musical um you know what would we recommend to other people you know all this kind of stuff what do you think about this well as we've kind of mentioned there's only ever one person out of a hundred that actually genuinely loves theater and then they bring everyone else in so if you're listening to this with the honest intention of trying to like theater you've probably already had someone try to pressure you into it <laughs> Uh, personally, when it comes to, like, movies, I'm kind of focused more towards movies because that's just an easier outlet for people. I almost always watch musicals. It's just, to me, plays are ridiculous. And to have a musical, you know it's ridiculous. Like, that's the point. 
And that's fine with me. While plays, it's like, are you trying to be dumb? I can't tell. <laughs> and so I tend to just nav like fluctuate towards musicals. I will say some of them just seem so long. It doesn't matter. Which one of the recommendations Chris is going to harp on. The first time I watched it, my legs went numb. I just went, why would someone do this? <laughs> like, it just took so long. Because it's they have this really short plot that just gets pulled out. And so musicals to me just seem so long the first time you watch them. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Is it Phantom? Is that what we're talking <laughs> yes, about? Phantom? That's what I'm here? talking about. Okay, I mean, that's fair. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that every musical is for everybody. That's, I mean, that's kind of the thing about it. One, you do kind of have to like music. Two, you have to kind of buy into it. So, like, I get that some people aren't going to buy into certain stories. Typically, I do recommend Phantom of the Opera, and part of the reason is. I just think it makes sense. It's kind of one of those stories where it's like, one, it takes place in an opera. Most of the time, they are practicing for operas. It kind of makes sense that they're singing all the time. And also, it's kind of one of those musicals where there's a lot of different categories of musicals. You could talk about the ones that are more classic-y. So like, for example... The Music Man is a very classical musical. It's got a pretty simple plot. The music's very, you know, wilting, sounds nice kind of stuff. But it's not really anything all that complicated. I mean, it's like kind of the kind of movie you'd see in the 60s. That's pretty much what it's like. Phantom of the Opera was kind of like more of a new age musical. And you hear it. Like, they've got like this kind of almost like electronic sound to it. There's like, they use a lot of pyrotechnics. They use like fog and smoke and like, they do things like around and it like actually does engross you in it. And even too, like, and I think this was one of the things that I was going to kind of mention is like, one of my favorite things about theater is when it is actually done correctly. There are some places that kind of don't do that, in my opinion. And kind of what I mean by that. When somebody does theater incorrectly, it's just like, here's a thing, enjoy it. But when somebody does it like with a passion and it's like very well thought out and like they've thought about like what the scenes are going to look like and how people should feel and, you know, like caring about all that stuff, like some of the things will really stick with you. And so one of mine was for when I was a little kid and I went to go see Fam of the Opera, the set design of this Fam of the Opera was just it was crazy. It was like the first time I had really ever seen something and been just like, my jaw dropped like at every scene. Like, I remember um, when they were doing some of the boat scenes, they would have smoke. And the way they would have the smoke, it would literally look like the boat was on water on the stage. And it was, that was incredible. Or even some of the ways they like, would move the scenes around was really good. And the one that got me the most, which I have always talked about, is so there's this big thing in Phantom of the Opera where at one point he dresses up as a character that's called the Red Death. It's like supposed to be a big fuck you thing because like it's not <laughs> it's not a nice thing that he does that. It's basically like Red Death essentially means like you're gonna die and like it's like a big whatever deal. And so the one that I watched when I was a kid, he had like it was like almost like all this puppet stuff on him. So when he was talking, he had like this skeleton, I don't know if it was like on his chest or where it was, but like the skeleton would like actually move and like speak and it was, it was just awesome. It looked so good. 
For me personally, that's more what I look for in theater. It's not just, yeah, let me go see a musical. It's no, like I want to see somebody tell me a story that they're passionate about that they obviously put a lot of time into and like they're trying to make me think about it. That's what I like. See, we have opposite <laughs> interests. I don't give a shit about anything but the music. That is all I want. So that's why to me when I watch them, the movies or the plays, they seem so long to me. I'm just like I don't care about any of this. Like, does the plot really matter? No. Like, you're just, you could tell the plot in five minutes. Like, this doesn't matter. And so it always happens. The first time I watch it, I hate it. It doesn't matter what it is. I hate it. The first time I watch it. But then a song will get stuck in my head. And then I'll download the soundtrack. And then I love it. And I'll tell everybody, like, about this soundtrack. So it's kind of the complete opposite, which is hilarious to me. I mean. Predictable, but hilarious. <laughs> Because I never think about it. I think I love musicals. And then every time I watch one without fail, I fucking hate it. Like, I just can't. I'm like, why does anyone watch this? I can't stand yeah. this. I will say that is kind of one of my things about musicals is I don't really understand the stigma of them being as long as they are. Because I will say, musicals tend to be about three hours long. If you're going to go see a real one, yeah, if you go see, like, some high school play, it probably will be shorter. I would say it probably closer to two hours. But, like, Broadway-type musicals, they are pretty much always three hours, if not four hours long. I, I really don't get it. It is one of the wildest things. I get that some people really like musicals and, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's It's too long. You don't have to. There's very few exceptions to this rule to me. I can't really honestly think of like something I saw that was like three or four hours long where I was like, nah, you could have, <laughs> you could have cut something. This was a off. bit, a bit much. Well, I think it's like, what is it called? It's called Rent in the movie, but isn't it called, um... No, uh, Rent is a musical. Oh, I thought it was based on... So, yeah, so it is. Carmen. It's, um, La Boheme. La Boheme. It's, it was like an older, I mean, like 1800s or something. Ah, okay. Musical. Like that one is way too long, I would say. Rent or La Boheme? Both. Since <laughs> <laughs> they're somewhat interchangeable. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I've never seen La Boheme, so I don't know. Well, it's kind of like they just do, they do five core songs and then repeat, like with life changes. And it's kind of like, cool, everyone's on drugs, seeking the artist's suffrage or whatever you want to call it. And then they talk about it some more. And then everyone's laugh is different, but the same. And then they complain about it. And, like, it's just, I think it's because everyone's complaining. Like, every, almost every song is either a song about love or a song complaining about something. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, it just seems so unnecessarily long. Well, I already told you I, I don't like Rent anymore. No. It's, uh, there was, like, the, this the thing. Point. Yeah, there was this thing I watched a while ago that was, like, basically, because for anybody who doesn't know, like, Rent is essentially about artists who live in New York City. I want to say it's, like, the 80s, this is the time period. And the whole thing is it's big into art is suffering yeah suffering art for your is art. suffering that's like the big thing about it and like i think when i was younger i kind of i was fine with it like i still don't really like agree with that but like i get the mentality but like there's so many things in rent that just 
bother me. Like, there's these scenes where you can see, like, people, like, clearly care about them. Like, their parents or whatever are being like, hey, you know, like, are you okay? Like, you haven't talked to me in, like, a really long time and, like, all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, do what you want to do. Live your life. But, like, it's like they sit there and they're, like, complaining. Like, you know, they don't have money and, you know, like, all this kind of stuff. And it's like... Yeah, but you're, like, also, like, kind of shutting everybody out <laughs> to live this life. And, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's parts of this that I just, I don't think it's right. <laughs> I think it's also, there's only one likable character, and that character dies. So you're just like, what am I here for? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. But, I mean, it has some good music. That's generally the thing that I give to Rent. But, yeah, it's not, it's not a big one. I will, um... Just to kind of go back on a different topic, because I did have some of, like, these other things that I really liked in theater. I know that you didn't see The Lion King, but I saw The Lion King, pff, gosh, just before COVID. Weird, <laughs> weird to think about that. It was literally, like, the month before COVID happened. Um, and there was this one scene that really stuck out with me, because I, I don't know, like, apparently, if you do a puppet correctly, apparently I, I get... I like that. <laughs> I don't know. Correctly will mind blow. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, there were, that's kind of the thing about the Lion King that they do a lot of like very visual stuff. And one of them, although I guess this wasn't puppet related, was they had like, essentially it was the, the part in, you know, think of the Disney movie, the part where it's like transitioning from Mufasa's reign to Scar's reign. And they're like showing everything like dying. Like, it's, like, going into that whole thing. And so they had this lake, like, draining. And the way that they did it, it was just, like, so... Like, I can still think about that lake and, like, that picture of that, you know, the whole transition of everything just kind of dying and, like, you know, showing, like, oh, Scar fucked this shit up. <laughs> it was beautiful and now it's not. And, yeah, that kind of stuff. I do really like that. And, I mean, I've mentioned that before. I am a very visual person. If... You give me something that's good and visual, it probably sticks in my head for a very long time. I think I only have one more story, and then we have story time. <laughs> Funny yeah. enough. Is titles are misleading for musicals sometimes, or for plays. I'll say plays or musicals. And specifically, we had a friend that I think is the reason why I did theater, honestly. And she had her mother like take her to college shows all the time. And she wanted to bring a friend, and I happened to be the friend. And she told me, like, yeah, you're in town. And my mom's like, where are you going? I was like, going to a play. Well, what's it called? Is it appropriate? I said, well, it's you're in town. And she went, okay, what's it about? I said, I don't know. Why would I know what it's about? <laughs> I'm in middle school. <laughs> and so she said, yeah, I guess it's okay if it's just you're in town. I said, yeah, I'm sure it's a really corny musical about people in town talking about whatever. It's urine as in P, like, with a U, town. Not you're in town. <laughs> and it's literally a musical about, like, bathrooms being restricted to the public because they have to pay for it and everybody's poor because there's a water shortage. And that the plot of it, which the narrator explicitly tells you is a secret but says it, like, right away, is you're in town. If they take someone to you're in town, they kill them. Like, it's this big mob boss type thing. And so, like, that was my first musical or, like, play that I saw in person was Urine Town, <laughs> which is a pretty ridiculous play. <laughs> you liked it, though, right? 
In retrospect, not as much. But oh, since it was okay. like my first one, it was kind of funny. Yeah. Like it had a little bit of everything, so it's a it wasn't a bad first one. The music wasn't bad. The singer we had in particular was really good, especially for our college. But like there's a song called Don't Be the Bunny and like just silly crap like that. Yeah, I mean plays especially, I would so in my opinion, musicals are a bit safer. Typically, there are like a couple I could say, uh, you know, maybe they're not for everybody, but like I think they're tip, they tend to be safer. Plays are hard. <laughs> like, unless you explicitly know what the plot is, I don't normally recommend them to people because a lot of times plays try very hard to be edgy. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Let's, you know, we could, for example, talk about Equus. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about Equus, because to be honest, I read Equus, and I'm going to tell you, it's pretty fucking weird. Daniel Radcliffe rode naked on a horse and then stabbed his eyes out. Just to, As you do. Just mm-hmm. to spoil the plot of Equus, it's very, it's a lot. <laughs> I still don't really think I get Equus, and I'm not sure I want to, to be honest. I think, like, for me, there's really only ever been, like, one play that I've seen that I liked. It was at my college. And it was about uh, Farnsworth. So it's called The Farnsworth Invention. It's about TV. That's who he was. I mean, I know some people think about, like, uh, Futurama. That is actually who that character is named after. I forget what the character's, like, first name is. It's something, maybe, like, Frank or something, Farnsworth. But anyway, it's just the story of, like, how he came to invent TV. And then um, it was like a pretty sad story too, because essentially it got stolen from him. Uh, The people, the radio corporation ended up coming. And I don't know if they just like bought the rights and it was kind of like a weird time for inventions and stuff. So like they essentially bought, bought it and then like he couldn't do anything with it anymore. But yeah, it was like a pretty just interesting story, especially if, you know, you didn't know about it and, that one was good, but like pretty much all the other plays that I've ever seen, not really. I just, I don't know. They're either like way too serious or they'll end in a really weird way. Are they or... from the 50s? Yeah. I just, three genres. <laughs> I just, I don't typically, I like being in plays, but I think like part of the problem is, is I don't know if I've seen a comedy actually. I liked being in comedies, but I don't know if I've seen, like, too many comedies. So maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to watch a comedic play and see how that goes. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, I did go see one. I saw one with my mom. I don't remember what that play was called, though. Because I think, I don't remember if it was, like, a popular one. But, like, it was basically about this old woman who, like, accidentally gets sent to, like, an insane asylum. And it was pretty funny, but then, like, also, like, it was very endearing. Because it was, like, kind of one of these things where, like, she kind of starts to, like be on the side of the people in the asylum and, like, learns about, like, all their struggles and all this kind of stuff. And it was just... Yeah, that one was good, but I forgot about that one. (laughs) Whatever that one was called. I don't even remember... To be honest, plays are weird. I don't remember some of the ones that I was in. I still talk about all the time about that one that was, like, the bishops and the priests and stuff. You remember that? I don't remember if you were involved (laughs) in that, but there was this one where, like, essentially the plot was... At the end, there was, like, four priests. (laughs) Like, it was, like, these weird miscommunications kept happening. Like, I think, like, there was basically, like, one guy was an actor, 
and he was pretending because he didn't want to the main character was like married to a priest and so like he didn't want to be like a guy with a priest's wife so he like pretended to be her husband like so people wouldn't suspect stuff and then there was the actual husband and then there was like a murderer on the loose and then there was also like some other guy i think he was like a bishop or something but anyway, like basically the plot towards the end of it there's just all these priests and like nobody can figure out who anybody is Anyway, that play was good. I couldn't tell you what the name of this play is. All the good ones she doesn't remember. <laughs> that I was in. The only one I really remember is Don't Drink the Water. I do remember that one. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, is a Woody Allen, which... Why we did that anyway? Whatever, but that one was that one was fine, too. I don't know if I would, like, particularly go out of my way to ever see that again, but that was fine. It's story time with Krista! <laughs> <laughs> that hard I was gonna do something with like reading Rainbow, but like with lyrics like Julian Crystal, so high. Like it was really corny with the reading Rainbow melody. Take a look. It's on this podcast. <laughs> Julian Krista. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do something. Okay. So for my story time, I guess I decided that I finally am going to tell this story. And the story time might even involve a field trip. Although if it does involve a field trip, I don't, I guess you guys won't be coming with us because I don't know how we would do that. But I decided I'm going to talk about the frog. Part do. <laughs> part, part again, but different frog. It's not the same frog. The frog strikes again. Um, I think I know what you're supposed to say. I think you do because I think I never you texted me. I never told you the end of this no. story. Okay. So I got very freaked out um, starting about a year ago, I guess. So I have a couple gardens at my house and there's this one garden, my side garden, has a bunch of issues. I've still not really entirely managed to fix it. Honestly, I think I need to take out all the dirt and put all the dirt back in, but that is a completely different story. The thing is, I had dug in this garden a couple times and got pretty freaked out because when I would dig... The first time I found like essentially this frog just in the garden and I was very confused. <laughs> I didn't understand. And I think the first time I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore that and then move on. So then next year rolls around. I'm like, ah, God, fuck this garden. I need to fucking do something. So I start digging again, found this frog again. And I ended up texting Julie about it because I was just like, I don't. I don't understand. There's like this frog here. He seems like he's like petrified or something. I'm not sure like if it's like, is it a live frog? Like, is this a thing that happens? I think I even ended up looking it up on the internet. Just being like, do like frogs hibernate in a weird way? And I'm like, not aware of it or what is happening here. It turns out some frogs do do that. But then I also, yeah, I also <laughs> ended up uh, texting Julie about it. And she was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? And uh, I sent her a picture and she was like, I'm not sure what that is. I don't think that is a real frog. I think that that might be a toy. <laughs> and then uh, looking at it with closer inspection, it is still in my garden. That was why I was saying, you know, this could involve a field trip if we wanted it to. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a toy. So I got very freaked out by this frog. Yeah, it was about the funniest thing because she's like, I know, do they hibernate? What's this thing? I'm like, not in this area. What are you talking about? And then it's just this picture 
this big frog with like the exact digits and everything covered in dirt. I'm like, pretty sure that's a toy. That's that just looks like a dirty old toy. <laughs> I don't know. Pick it up. I was like, why didn't you just pick it up? <laughs> because when I was when it was first happening, I thought it was alive. Like I thought it was like a real frog. Either that or like the way at first the dirt was on it, I thought it was a dead frog at least. And I was like, well. I, and I just didn't know the answer was the problem. I was like, well, if it's a live frog, should I bury it back up or like what? And then, yeah. <laughs> I, I just pick them up. Like, I always, what are you? So it's even funny. You're like, I don't know what this is. I'm not going to touch it. Like, what? It's a, just pick it up. <laughs> if it was a live frog, I wanted to put it back. And then you could have. <laughs> there aren't any poisonous well, frogs here and none of them hibernate. Well, that was what I did the first year. I put it back, and then it happened to me again. Probably the exact same frog. I mean, I'm sure it was. I don't know why I said probably. <laughs> but it happened again, and I was like, okay, like, should I do something about this? I don't get what is happening here. Is this just, like, a frog burial ground? Is this some kind of frog hibernation spot? Why, why do I keep having this issue? It is just funny. I'm like, <laughs> it's a toy. Why are you bothering me? <laughs> She just seems so freaked out. It was cracking me up. I have frog problems. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so we need to end this off. We're going to end this off on giving you specific... We kind of have already, but we're going to give you more specific musicals or plays. Probably more musicals, as we've already mentioned. To kind of get you started. Um, I'll kind of start off since Krista has story time. Mine are all more movies to make it easier for you. I think Krista's going to be the one who does more plays and or not plays uh live so there's pretty much a musical for anybody like any type of music you like or any type of plot line there's probably a musical out there i'm not saying i know every single one but say for instance you only like heavy metal or power metal you're just like Ugh, i can't stand the corny singing and the stupidness of it all repo the genetic opera is what you've been looking for that is a murder musical power opera like it is the closest they have to a corny song is they have a song that kind of like tributes to Pat Benatar and in the middle of this girl singing it her dad smacks the shit out of her so she stops. Like that is the closest they have to like a corny song is it gets interrupted with the shut the fuck up like they slap her <laughs> and it's great. Also Paris Hilton's in it and her face falls off so that's that's really great. Um, and it's a very gory there's a character that literally stabs her eyes out in it <laughs> like it's a great musical for a non-typical musical I do, I do love all of your descriptions of <laughs> well that's for the people that so that say like musicals aren't for me i like hardcore shit what's more hardcore than an opera singer singing in german while stabbing herself in the eyes come on and then she gets impaled on a spike so i mean it is pretty intense although pretty this metal. is a musical right this there is, is a no... musical well wait a minute this is a movie musical yes only Eh, they never did that's really complicated there's <laughs> because there's also another not musical movie based on the same world as this called repo man with jude law i looked into it because i'm like what came first what happened and essentially this this musical also gives you background through comic books so they sing a song and play out this comic book strip to tell you the background that's not that's relevant but not in the movie so this started out as like a one-act play that then was turned into a comic, that then was turned into a musical, that was then turned into two different movies. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. That is 
A lot. Okay. That's yeah, a lot. So I recommend Repo, the genetic opera, if you like hardcore shit. If you're wanting something funnier, one of my favorites is probably The Producers. I like both versions for different reasons. There's a new one, a newer one with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. There's an old one with uh, Gene Wilder. Like I said, I like both of them for different reasons, but if you've never seen either, I would say watch the newer one. If I have a bad day, there's just stupid scenes in this I will always want to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, the plot of it is the dumbest thing. It has really corny, hilarious songs. Everyone's overacting and being really ridiculous. It's a very funny... Yeah, that one is a very... It's a very, like, musical type of musical, but, like, in a way where it's making fun of itself. It's, like, kind of all of the... Like, I mean, honestly, Chicago's kind of like this, too. I mean, I know you don't like Chicago, and that's, like, in a different kind of way. But, like, it's so over the top that it's, like, making fun of itself. That Mm -hmm. is, like, the whole... There's, like, so many scenes where it's, like, oh, yeah, here come all the flapper people for, like, some reason. And, like, they'll acknowledge them, and they're, like, oh, yeah. And, like, it's it's just so goofy. It's the strangest... I do really like the producers. I I would love to go see the producers sometime. I've never actually seen that on stage. So I would love to see that one too. So that's enough. That's one. If you just want to watch something stupid and funny, that is intentionally stupid and funny. Like you're not going to try to take it seriously in any regard. Oh, well actually another one kind of on that level with that I was going to recommend, which I'll just, I'll recommend it now just because you're talking about it kind of is spam a lot, which I don't know. Do you know what spam a lot is? Okay. Camelot, the... No, 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 no. It's, nope. um... Uh, what am I thinking of? It is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but the musical. Yeah. So Legitimately. It's... And it's pretty good, actually. So, like, one of the things I was going to recommend is that, like, I always suggest the classics and the darlings. So, you'll hear about this pretty often, that there is a musical that is, like, the musical currently that is Hamilton, I'm sure you've heard about it. Everybody and their brother and everybody who's ever existed talks about Hamilton. It's been the darling for, like, about four years or more. Um, At one point, Spamalot was actually the darling. Like, it was, like, winning a bunch of Tonys and, like, all this kind of stuff. Wicked was one at the time. Um, I do remember the Wicked phase. (laughs) Yeah, I can't... I think, oh, The Lion King actually was one at one point. That was quite a while ago. But, yeah, I always do recommend those because here's the thing about the darlings. They're normally really well made. Like, you could go see some of these off-Broadway ones. You could go see some of the ones that are less popular. Doesn't mean the production value is going to be good. It might be. You never know. But sometimes it's not. That's the risk that you take. (laughs) But you go see things like Phantom of the Opera. You go see uh, Hamilton or whatever. Like, they're probably going to be really high quality. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I'd say my last kind of recommendation that's separate from all the stuff we've already said is if you're... If the reason why you don't like musicals or plays because you can't relate or you can't understand they're at a different time period, whatever reason that you just can't get into it. You're just like, I don't care about the 50s. <laughs> That's a lot of musicals. Um, I would recommend a musical that's not on out in movies yet, but it's going to be, I think, actually this month. So it might be by the time this comes out, is Dear Evan Hansen. I started listening to the music before I even knew what the play was, which is really funny because I did not understand at all. <laughs> When I started listening to it, what it was. So this is a modern musical. It's very popular right now. And like I said, it's going to be coming out as a movie. So I don't know how the movie will be. (laughs) 
I think it was actually too. I think it was one of the darlings. Yeah, for I a think while. it was for a while. And the plot of it is it's based in high school, but it's still relatable. And basically, very like first scene, a kid commits suicide and has a suicide note. And based on that, they think his only friend uh, was Evan Hansen because they had an email going back and forth, which was technically a therapy thing that Evan did. It wasn't real. But because of this, everyone starts reaching out to Evan about who Connor, Connor, the guy who commits suicide, who he was, what is his life, and people coming together and communicating about hard things like emotional trauma, about living life, everything like that. And it kind of delves into this big drama about that kind of thing. And so it has a message that is current today. The songs, the music is very good. They have, like, typical musicals. They have one corny, stupid, silly song, of course. But I actually like it, which is rare for me. I usually hate that song. I usually think it ruins the in-between. But that would be my modern one. And I forgot one that Chris is probably going to talk about. So, and I said one more recommendation, but I lied. One last one. Because <laughs> it's one Krista can take off. And that would be, I recommend Moulin Rouge. I've not met anyone who has not liked that, that liked music. And that's probably because Moulin Rouge takes pop songs and redoes them in a way that is musical friendly. So they take like songs by Queen, by the police, that like oldies pop, not current pop, and put it in this musical format. And there's even songs, there's a song by Elton John that when I listen to the original makes no fucking sense to me. But when I see it in the musical, it's like they make sense of these ridiculous lyrics he came up with. Yeah. So, And the set design, everything that Chris really likes, this movie really has that going on. And it has Ewan McGregor in it and Nicole Kidman, which how could you not love those people? So that would probably yeah. be an overhanging musical that I'd recommend to almost anybody. Because like I said, I've not met anyone who would like a musical that didn't like that. Yeah, and that's called a rock opera, by the way. Mm -hmm. Rock operas are where they take real stuff and they make it, like, into a musical. Like, I think there was a recent Across one. Across the Universe is one. Yeah, Across the U Although, Across the Universe is weird because that's only Beatles that's songs. That's only Beatles, yeah. But then there was, like, Rock of Ages, which I didn't see that one, but, like, that was one because they took a bunch of, like, rock star music and put it into, made a plot. Which, again, I didn't watch this one, so I don't know what this is. But that is a rock opera. Another one I kind of wanted to recommend going off your Dear Evan Hansen thing is Waitress. Because actually, so Waitress is a lot kind of like what you were saying with Dear Evan Hansen. Because like essentially the plot of Waitress is, it's like a waitress. She is in a abusive relationship. I'm not quite, I haven't seen this one. I would like to go see this one. But the abuse isn't like... Like, he's not, like, hitting her. I think it's more, like, emotional, really bad emotional abuse. And she finds out that she's pregnant. And it's, like, this whole thing of, like, her basically, like, having an affair with somebody. Like, also trying to get out of this abusive relationship. And, like, trying to, like, figure out what she should do. And, like, coming to a place of being happy. Like, that is essentially the plot. But, like, I've heard a few of the songs, and there are a few of these songs you could go look up on YouTube. I think, like, one of the big ones is, like, called, like, You Matter to Me. And it's it's kind of like what you were saying with Dear Evan Hansen. Like, it's just this big thing of, like, going through, like, grief and, like, all these really complicated emotions and then coming to something that basically resembles happiness. And it is, like, a more modern plot. Like, I would say it's... Probably, like, 2010s is probably when this musical came out. So, if you like things that are more modern, 
that's probably one that I would recommend, even though I haven't seen it. And then, so another one, getting just kind of on the funny train, is The Book of Mormon, which again is another one I want to see. I have not seen this one. So kind of like, I know that this probably sounds really strange. We haven't like really mentioned this, but like where we live, it's not necessarily the easiest to always see these things. Like we could, you could go out of your way, you could do it. There is a place that you could. One, it's kind of expensive. Two, like you You'd don't be always... exhausted when you get back. Like, it'd, yeah. be a, it'd be a full day, especially since it's not like they play musicals at 2 p.m. It's almost always 7 or 8, and so we'd get home at, like, midnight or later. <laughs> well, the other thing is, too, is that, like, I don't always know that they're happening. Like, sometimes I do, and then sometimes I don't. I, like, for example, like, I went and saw Wicked a couple years ago. That was the first time I ever saw it. And it would be here... But it was because it was a darling. So like Hamilton, I've not actually seen Hamilton on stage either. I've only seen like the Disney one that probably everybody's seen at this point. But the thing with the darlings is sometimes they're very expensive. And Wicked was like that for a long time. Like it was like, yeah, you're going to pay like $500 if you want to go see this. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I did find out something about that is you become part of a program, at least in our area. I'm sure other areas do it. And they will give, like, if you spend, let's, I think the ticket costs $1,000 maybe. Let's say it costs 1000 For the whole year, they give you tickets. And so what ends up happening is those big musicals, like Hamilton, they're under a contract. They're not allowed to sell their tickets, specifically because it's an A-lister. And so then half the seats are already taken. So that's part of our problem is, like, any of these musicals that are popular or would have the cast that we'd enjoy seeing, they're half sold before they even go... To like where we can access them and then it doesn't feel like it's worth it because we're not in a place like our city is a medium place i would say like it's not super low on the list but it's not it's not a city you think of when you think of the united states so since we're in this medium place we rarely get actors and stuff that we'd want to spend that money to go see we just be like i'm sure it's fine <laughs> but it's not worth 500 to 800 dollars to watch this musical with those people in it yeah yeah, it's for me, it's more like if the price is right, if there's somebody I want to go see it with, that's typically what I'll do. Like, I think the last couple times Hamilton has been here, I'll maybe look at the tickets and it's like $500, like I said. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> if it was maybe like 100 maybe, but $500, I'm not going to. Because like the other thing is, too, is like, I'm probably I'm not going to go by myself. So what, am I going to go spend $1,000 to go see this? Nah, nah. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I'll just rewatch the Disney one. Or actually, this was a thing I had in my suggestions. So like one of the things you can do too, something like Hamilton, like if you've not experienced Hamilton, and you just like want to know what it's all about, you can listen to it on Spotify. And so pretty much any of the musicals that are opera esque, so you could probably do the same thing with Fame of the Opera, I'm sure. Just listen to them on Spotify. Um, Spotify like you'll get the plot entirely like Hamilton if you listen to it on Spotify like you'll totally know what it's about Dear Evan Hansen's the same way yeah. you listen to it. the other thing is you have to listen to it in order <laughs> so if you that was my mistake with Dear Evan Hansen the first time I listened to it out of order and had no idea what was going on because when I listen to a musical the first time I tend to just pick the most popular song and then decide if I want to continue with it or not so I picked that silly song was their most popular song 
And I totally, because the whole point of the song is to be radical and say things that aren't true to be silly. And so I read that I like thought they were true. (laughs) Didn't know what was going on. So, and if anybody's wondering like that you've heard of Dear Evan Hansen, it's sincerely me. I listened to that as if that was true. And it was now in retrospect, it's the funniest thing ever. but. (laughs) But the thing is too, you do kind of have to make sure with some of these that they kind of are more opera esque because like, for example, like Wicked. Or Moulin Rouge would be the same way. Yeah, you could listen to Wicked. You're not really going to get much of the story. There's, because Wicked is kind Wicked is one of these musicals where there's story that happens in between the songs. Whereas, like, in opera, they're basically singing the entire time, like, with very minimal breaks or no breaks. It depends on the type. Yeah, a but, lot of them will have the dialogue in the beginning of the song, even. Family Opera does that. So they'll have two characters just talking, and then the song will start, and then they'll talk in the middle of the song, and then the song will start back up. So that happens a lot, too. So something like Hamilton, something probably like Family Opera, I can't really think of any of the other ones being like this. But yeah, I would recommend that. Just look at stuff on Spotify. Listen to a few of them, and then see. And then you know what? If somebody invites you, if one of your nerd friends is like, hey, I want to go see a musical. If they tell you cats. Julie says no. Don't do it. (laughs) No. Cats. Okay. Maybe this is just where we should end. Just to end be, with cats? It's a horrible just, decision. Well, because I don't know about, you know, the rest of these. Oh, I guess I didn't even really talk about the Book of Mormon. But whatever. We're talking about cats. <laughs> Go see the Book of Mormon. But cats. <laughs> cats. Don't see cats. Okay, look. Here's the thing. I think everybody, well... Not everybody, but a good amount of people have probably had this experience where, like, people try to get you to go see Cats. Cats is a very particular type of musical. It's very bizarre, very nonsensical. It's very 70s, I think, is, like, around the time it came out. That musical is not for everybody. It's for nobody. There are... (laughs) It's for the performers. It's not for the audience. There's a group that like it, and that's cool and good for them. But I'm going to tell you, if you've seen Cats, and this was your one experience with musicals, and you hated it, just erase it from (laughs) your memory, man. There are other things. (laughs) Yes. Let's talk about the Book of Mormon, which is great. Quick pause. The only reason why anyone watches Cats that doesn't know what it's about is because it's done by the same composer as Phantom of the Opera. Sondheim. So you think, Fan the Opera is amazing. You've heard us talk about it. He did Cats. Let's watch Cats. Why did you do this? Like, why, why was this the thing you did? You did something so amazing as Fan the Opera, and then there's this thing. And from what I understand, it's very much for the performer. I'm sure as a performer, it's a lot of fun to do. As an audience, it's not for you. Like, it's just, it's not designed for the audience in any capacity i think i don't remember what show it is that literally makes fun of cats because it says that anyone who's in cats just walked up on stage and decided to be in cats and that's how all the actors end up there because <laughs> someone in the audience goes anyone could do this i don't understand why i'm paying for this and they walk up like i'll be a cat and then they just end up part of the play <laughs> and that's the whole plot oh of gosh, cats i do remember that gosh i don't remember, I don't remember what show that is <laughs> But they, that's what they're like. That's how this happened. That's how Cats became a thing is because people just walk up on stage and they become part of the musical and it never ends. <laughs> it just, like, look, I think, like I said, I think it's from, like, the 70s. It's got that. 
you vibe. know, like how the seventies, like some of the things, it's like it's so much, and it's just it's so much to the extreme. And my my thing is here, if you have been tricked into watching Cats and you feel like you need to file a lawsuit and just you know give up on musicals altogether, you know maybe maybe try Book of Mormon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's our last, that's our ending phase here. If you were dragged into a cat show and you're scarred for life, try Book of Mormon instead. <laughs> Just try it before you give up altogether. If you don't like both of them, fair enough. Then you probably don't you're like music. You probably tap out. This was Passion for Your Passions with Krista and Julie, where we talked about the theater. On the next episode... We're talking about Nicholas Kim Coppola, professionally known as Nick Cage. Cage rage! I'm so excited. <laughs> All of the bottom is just boba. Welcome to my world. <laughs> That's gonna be beautiful. <laughs>